Welcome into a Wednesday night edition of the Locked On Nets podcast. It is body positivity season in the NBA. Media days abound. Everyone's put on 30 pounds of muscle. We'll tell you why the Nets in particular are so optimistic about their team and who was the star of the 2018 media day. All that and more next on the Locked On Nets podcast. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are listening to Locked On Nets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are a Nets micropod focused on bringing you the best in Nets them. I don't know. Is that a word? I'm making it up on a day-to-day basis. A shout-out to all of our new listeners. We were I was looking, I was looking at our metrics, Josh. We have we have a couple of new listeners, I think, people coming in with the new season. So thank you. Welcome aboard. I'm your host, Gavin Shaw, after four years covering the Phoenix Suns. They had their media day, and it was great recently. Uh, I moved back to my native New York to cover your Brooklyn Nets, and I am joined by financial wizard, soon-to-be first-time Tucson traveler, the great Josh Bass. Yes, you may have heard of me by my uh, pseudonym, Zach Lowe, that I go by on ESPN. Oh, so it's like it's like a Nets income scenario. It's a, a net income. I don't know why you always have the S, but, uh, but yes. Oh, is that his name? There's no... Do you think, wait, 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 I, Josh, I had an important question for you about him before we get into media day stuff. Do, do other journalists know who he is? Like, does he show up at media day and like, do they figure it out? Because like, they're like, oh, I, I know, I know everyone else here, but I, I don't know that guy. Or do you think he wears like a different disguise every year? I know his first name is Bob. He's been on a couple podcasts and, and obviously um, the preeminent source of Nets information. Shout out to Nets Daily. Those guys do uh, a great job. Um, I know his first name is Bob, but I'm pretty sure he's, he said his last name before. And he works for NBC, maybe, doing like some sort of production and new stuff. So I think it's known. He just doesn't advertise it um, willingly. But if you want to dig into it, you are um, able to find out some, some good stuff. I, I love if like there was like, I guess it, I guess it really is us. But like I, I would like if we, if we end up covering some Nets practices and games this year in person, like I want to, I want to do like a full, I want to like, do like a three-part like serial style series like breaking down who he is exposing him to the world not letting him hide in the dark anymore and just just really letting him uh, get the credit he deserves for giving us such great Nets coverage yeah i mean his identity has become a a hot topic in in Nets fandom so uh he's definitely a very well-known source in in the spheres that we run in so uh so we'd love to to dig deeper on how he became the man that he is. Yeah, no, it's kind of it's really like a Batman style origin story, or at least I I assume. Uh, I'm, actually, I'm curious, like, so I guess his original sources were probably uh, maybe even from the Rod Thorn days, and I feel like whenever there's like a new regime, GM, like president of basketball operations, I feel like the sources just show up and be like, hey, like I'm here, like I was the old source, now you have to let me continue to be the new source, and then. The new the new regime just kind of like shrugs and says okay. Yeah, it's very similar to uh, the sixth Harry Potter book where the Minister of Magic shows up and tells the Prime Minister of England that uh, the new Minister of Magic, because Cornelius Fudge was fired due to incompetence uh, and willing blindness about the rise of Voldemort, or he who must not be named, and then he just brings in the new Minister of Magic after to meet him. It's, it's I think it's it's similar to that scenario. All right. Anyways, though, a little, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little, little off track at the beginning of this one. 
Jared Allen, he uh, he showed up to media day looking looking yoked. He put up, put on some real muscle this offseason. He was saying he didn't notice a significant change in his physique, but he did notice that he is lifting more weight easier than ever, and he he feels like he's much improved. Uh, he, he said Ed Davis has really made a big difference in the development of his game. There was a great uh, quote on it that uh, Net, Nets Daily provided pretty much all this stuff. So again, shout out to them, great work. Um, and he, he I think he said like we're, we're not we're not quite best friends yet, but I do say hi to him every morning. Uh, that was Jared Allen on Ed Davis. But he, he said he's just watching Ed Davis rebound and like stealing little techniques from him here and there, he, he thinks they're already making him better, and that combined with his increased strength and, and continued film watching and better awareness are turning him to a stronger rebounder, and that is obviously a very, very big deal for the Nets because that was, I, I think, the main reason you, you couldn't really consistently keep Jared on the floor at all times last year. Yep, he got bullied a lot of times, so having a, a guy like Ed Davis in there who's one, a credible backup center, and, and two, an excellent rebounder and knows all the tricks of the trade. Uh, will really be great to help Jared Allen out. And uh, Like everyone else, he gained 15 pounds of muscle. Yeah, that's the, that is the the media day staple. It should, like, they, they should just have, like, audio recordings of everyone saying that as you as you walk down the hallway so no one has to ask about it. All right. Knicks, uh, Knicks yeah, sorry. Fans, I, I think it was one of my roommates and maybe my dad also, even though he's not Knicks fans, were like, Oh, Frank Nilakina gained 15 pounds of muscle and grew an inch and a half. And it's like, that's just the staple line for everyone, you know? Yeah, I, that's why, like, I thought it was amazing when, like, Giannis actually sh- showed up and, like, he did legitimately, like, keep growing early in his NBA career. And I think that might have been a thing with Kevin Durant, too. Um, so I've, I've hoped for Frankie Smokes, who came into the NBA at a very young age. And maybe Jared Allen uh, will shoot up to 7-2, 7-3, and we'll have a real uh, behemoth on our hands. Another guy who added 10 to 15 pounds of muscle and got a lot of love was Karis LeVert. The consensus across the board is that he is ready for a legitimate breakout. Obviously, last year made an enormous leap from his rookie season. But Josh, I'm just going to run through some quotes from various veterans on the team. Uh, Ed Davis was asked who impressed him the most. And he says immediately, probably the one guy who I haven't seen play a whole lot is, is LeVert. I didn't really know that he had that much stuff that he can do with the ball, his footwork, and things like that. Jared Dudley, one of the most well-spoken guys in the NBA, excited for comments from him all year. He says on Karras, I haven't seen anyone guard him here the last couple of weeks. He's scoring at will. He's athletic when it comes to conditioning tests. What? So that could be a good or bad thing. That he's scoring at will. Well, no, okay, well, we, we know. We, we, yeah, we know. that we, Yeah, no, that, that's that's the flip thing, and that's it's funny. Me and my dad always talk about that in, uh, in regards to college football, uh, spring training. Uh, whenever you hear the offense is doing well, it's like, all right, the defense is doing bad. I, I will I will throw out the qualifier. We know the defense is bad. I'm assuming what Dudley is saying is that uh, Levert is scoring at will, even relative to everyone else on the roster. He's scoring at will. He's athletic. When it comes to conditioning tests, he's one of the fastest we've had here. I didn't know he could handle the rock. His ball handling is better than I thought he can shoot off the dribble. All right, last one, Damari Carroll. I think this is a breakout year. Not to put pressure on him, but I've seen it every day. I've seen him work tirelessly in here. That, that's all pretty exciting, and that that I think that falls in line with at least I, I don't know if you're on this bandwagon too, but with what I've been saying all offseason that I think he could potentially be one of the two to three best players on this team last year, and he he was kind of the guy after last season. I was most excited to see what he could do with a full healthy offseason behind him. Yeah, completely agree there. I, I mean, he's made some incremental improvements last year, but I think this is going to be uh, the big year for him, and I think the. What I got most excited about there is what Jared Dudley say, uh, said about Karras, that he can shoot off the dribble, because that was been a, a huge problem for him, him his first two years in the league. 
has some problems rushing his mechanics, especially off the dribble. Um, was a bit inconsistent. And if his shot has kind of been short up, um, that will go a long way to opening up some of his drives. He's a pretty explosive first step for a guy that wasn't built as the most athletic coming into the league and obviously had some lower body injuries. So uh, all good stuff here from, from what the guys are saying. And I think he could be a, a sleeper candidate for a most improved player. What do you think? No, I, I certainly agree with you. And I, I think what, what's really telling is, is you just mentioned those lower body injuries. If anything, it seems like he's, he really has a deadly combination of the fact that he's potentially going to be even more explosive this year. Kenny Atkinson uh, mentioned that he's certainly gotten stronger. And um, there, there were a couple of quotes about the sports science team, and, and they were really, I, they, I think this was from Karras himself, that they really built up his lower body this offseason, and he was really happy, and, and he thinks it's going to give him a little bit more stability going into the year. And then on, on top of that, which I think has kind of a multiplying effect, like not only is he going to be faster, but Atkinson mentioned that he's really improved his ability to start and stop and shift gears, and that was, um, obviously he's not quite in the same class athletically, but a guy like John Wall, who in the last two seasons or so just started to master that ability. And he was obviously quite a bit further along than Karis Levert in his NBA career, but around the same age. And, and the fact that Levert is getting there and learning how to shift gears and how to manipulate defenders is really, really exciting, especially for a guy who's going to play off ball. And a lot of the time probably won't even have the best defensive backcourt player guarding him because that guy will be focused on D'Angelo Russell. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited to see that. Yep. A lot of good stuff here. I think, um, the one thing I'm not concerned about, but I just hope that if Karis LeVert does take a huge leap, that he's rewarded with maybe 32 minutes a game, 34 minutes a game, because uh, as we've seen, you don't want to tire him out, but also um, the Nets do have a lot of depth, and there's guys at the wing uh, like Damari Carroll, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Joe Harris, Alan Crabb. Um, so it should be merit-based. I just want to make sure that if he's playing um, up to the point where he's really a top two player on the team that he's getting rewarded with those minutes and a starting spot. Yeah, no, I, I, I tend I tend to believe that will be the case, but we will certainly see as we go. All right, with that, we are going to take our first break. When we come back, uh, we will talk uh, some Kenny Atkinson quotes from Nets Media Day, and then we will give you an update on the Jimmy Butler situation that next on the Locked On Nets podcast. Locked On NFL is becoming everyone's favorite daily national NFL podcast. Mondays, it's the local experts on the biggest stories of the week. Tuesday's former NFL QB Sage Rosenfels joins Matt Williamson. Wednesday, it is Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. Thursdays, it's the great Mike Sando of ESPN. And Friday, get Matt's picks only on Locked On NFL. We are back with you on the Locked On Nets podcast. Gavin Shaw, Josh Bastel talking media day and Kenny Atkinson. Jared Dudley uh, compared him to Larry Brown, which is a high compliment, uh, just in the sense that he is, one, a, a New Yorker to the core in terms of how like relentlessly competitive he is and in a very open, fiery way, and two, to the fact that he lives and breathes basketball. Dudley, who was on the Clippers for a short period of time, mentioned how Doc Rivers, at this point in his career, very comfortable coaching his ass off and then going and golfing for a little bit, while Atkinson... Um, does this 24-7 and, and hasn't really quite figured out a way to separate himself from it. And, and Dudley just said he just imagines him going home, making himself a sandwich and watching hours and hours of film. So I thought that was an interesting little piece of perspective for a guy in Dudley who's maybe played for almost a third of the league and has just been around for a long time. Yeah, I think when I first saw that um, Dudley compared him to Larry Brown, I was a bit taken aback saying, like, at this point, it's not a compliment, but True, yeah. um, the rationality he gives is obviously very well thought out. And uh, when you 
that fight. So uh, he did a good coaching job there, and definitely earlier on his career, Larry Brown was a uh, a wizard when it comes to co- when it comes to coaching. Obviously, um, known for those Pistons teams that won a championship um, as well. Yeah, and uh, and he and he had coached the 2004 Olympic team to a bronze by some miracle. So that that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, that's, that's up there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he got a medal. You can't say not everyone wins an Olympic medal. So shout out, to, shout out to Larry Brown. Uh, all right, uh, Kenny Atkinson on the new guys. Uh, Shabazz Napier. He describes him as a competitive, definitely a guy that can play both positions. The two and the one. If you were following Locked On Nets this summer, we were telling you uh, Shabazz Napier, a guy who's going to play off the ball a lot, uh, whether it's with Spencer Dinwiddie or D'Angelo Russell. Both those guys have the size to guard shooting guards, if not quite the defensive talent in uh, D'Angelo Russell's uh, respect. But uh, Napier will be able to flip on both ends of the floor, and he'll be an effective player because of it. Uh, Ed Davis just grabs every rebound in the gym, even in shooting drills. It's very evident. Fareed, too, is energy level, chasing down balls, running the court. He got two over-the-top rim dunks. Can, why can't he just say tip and dunks? Uh, for a dunk and then a layup. These guys have been doing it in the league, and we kind of know their identity, but it's nice to see it in person live. So I, I just thought um, uh, his comments on Ed Davis and, and Napier aside, we, we can get back to those if you want, Josh. I, I thought it was interesting that he did kind of apply, imply in uh, that comment and I think more directly in others in terms of Fareed's uh, theoretical ability to space the floor that Fareed is going to be a part of the rotation, and I know you and I were going – back and forth on whether it would be Fareed or Dudley. I think I, if, I think if I remember correctly, you were a little bit more in the Fareed camp than I was, but I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll be open about it. I, I didn't I, I didn't really expect him to be part of the rotation unless there were injuries. I just didn't really see him fitting in as a power forward, but it seems like he's going to play. Yeah, I mean, I take everything so early on with a grain of salt. We haven't even done one preseason game, and what's there's no benefit of Kenny Atkinson saying that he's not going to be part of the rotation. Uh, he's kind of giving himself an out. Especially if, if things happen, let's say there's an injury or two and Fareed will need to uh, be part of the rotation, then he's living up to his word. Um, and it's not like he has to kind of backtrack and, and get back on Fareed's good side. So I don't, not taking too much into it at this point, I would be kind of surprised if the team's fully healthy and he's a part of the rotation. I just don't see a ton of uh, value that he can bring. I think Dudley has a better element with his stretch four game. And I don't really know what Kenny Atkinson is talking about when saying that Fareed has some face-up game because I've never seen it in my life. Yeah, no, I don't. I like vaguely remember, like on on Team USA, maybe he showed a little bit of that in that World Cup where he played, or it was the World Championship back then where he played really well. But yeah, no, that 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 struck me as, as kind of strange too. And he he was talking about he actually compared it to a spread offense in the NFL, which was interesting to me, where he was saying like you can you can manufacture spacing. Um, by scheme versus just having shooting out there, which I'm I'm sure he's right about, and he would know more about that than we would. But I mean, I don't know. Based off of ten, fifteen years of watching NBA basketball, I'm I'm under the impression that yeah, that would not be perfectly seamless, and you're not going to get the same also, spacing with Kenneth Fareed out there that you would with Jared Dudley. Yeah, you also exactly you don't need a manufacturer because you have someone in Dudley that can be a capable stretch four, and also we can play Damari Carroll at the four, right? Um, if you wanted. To. Have that element, and Rondé is going to be the starting four. So yeah, I'm just a bit confused about where Fareed fits in, considering that um, Jared Allen and Ed Davis should be able to handle uh, the combined 48 minutes at the five. Yeah, and I guess we'll, we'll wait until the preseason to find that out. 
All right, uh, but this uh, gives us a good transition because throughout Media Day, uh, Jimmy Butler was was ever present. Uh, players were asked about him. Guys were asked about potentially being traded. Like players like Spencer Dinwiddie had a very solid perspective on it. Like you know, I like being here. I love being here. In, in a way, it's kind of an honor to be mentioned in trade rumors because there was a long stretch of Dinwiddie's career, and you could say that about a couple guys on this team, like even like a Joe Harris or like a Harris LeVert, where they would have had no trade value, and now all of a sudden they're being thrown around as a potential trade target for a top 15 to 20 player in the NBA. So shout out to them for that growth. And uh, obviously, at least at this point, none of them are saying anything direct. Kenny Atkinson refused to even acknowledge it. But with that, Josh, I will throw it over to you for a Jimmy Butler update. Yep. Um, So... Woj and uh, Zach Lowe. So surprised it's not actually me. What? What? Well, I've done an article. Uh, I know, I know. I was on something last night. Uh, and basically, big, big thing is Heat are trying to get involved. Um, they really don't have much of a future now and have given out a ton of terrible contracts. So they're doing whatever they can to try to get in the mix for a star. Um, a package would be pretty unappealing. So uh, I'm not sure if that one has legs. But really, main thing, Sacramento is trying to push to uh, make any trade involving Butler a three-teamer. So they have about 10 or $11 million in salary cap space. Currently don't have a, a 2019 first-rounder. I forget what terrible trade they made to to lose that. Was it? I'm trying to think what, what it was. Wait, you're saying they, Sacramento doesn't have a first-rounder? The, the Celtics have their first-rounder. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Gotcha. So Celtics, yeah, Celtics have their first-rounder. So Sacramento's trying to get a first-rounder, open to taking on... Uh, bad salary, and even if something that were a contract that were to extend into the 2019-2020 season, they're open to it. So that could be something along the lines of Alan Crabb from the Nets' perspective, um, whose contract runs two more years at about $17.5 per. Um, so, so that's another option there, a three-teamer. Maybe you give up more young pieces, but you get that salary cap relief. And if you get Jimmy Butler here, there's more of a possibility to bring on two other stars with him, which is obviously much more appealing from his perspective and from the other stars' perspective. Um, and then a quote from Ron Day, he said, if he, referring to Jimmy Butler, comes, we'd love to have him. If not, we'll just keep working and doing what we do best here. So uh, I think that's perfect encaps- encapsulation of the Nets not going to get um, too riled up over these rumors, just trying to keep an even head and, and focus on the season. Yeah, and uh, this past Sunday, uh, Greg Logan uh, a Nets beat reporter uh, reported that is it's his job. An NBA source told him that the Nets were not involved in any trade talk with the Timberwolves, and then Logan went on to clarify, but these things can change quickly, and obviously that is kind of the nature of the beast. Uh, you would figure that the Nets would probably, even even if they haven't yet, they'd, they'd ask the Timberwolves, kind of, I, I believe the Bucks did the same thing, um, uh, to uh, give them a courtesy call if they have a deal on the table and give the Nets a chance to beat it. But I'm I'm generally of the opinion that I'm 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 leaning just like gut wise more and more that like the Nets like uh, far from getting Butler are really going to go seriously down the road of acquiring him and we we've talked at length whether or not that's that's right but I I don't know that's just kind of my feeling in terms of what's actually going to happen. All right, with that we will wrap up this edition of the Locked On Nets podcast and we'll be back tomorrow to talk uh, players twenty through sixteen in our hashtag Atlantic Division rank. Locked On NBA never went away and is still here for you every day. Locked On NBA is your daily national NBA podcast. Every Monday, get the local experts on the biggest stories and then stay with Locked On NBA all week long for daily 30 minutes on everything going on in the NBA. Follow for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcasts. 
Locked On NBA.